Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Faster Masters Rowing Radio, where having a rowing coach only makes you better. Following a program gives you a true pathway to becoming a confident sculler who's respected by your peers. You can become the athlete that you want to row with. I'm Rebecca Caro, and I'm, as ever, joined by my fellow host, Marlene Royal. Hi, Rebecca, and hello, Faster Masters. Nice to see and hear everybody. Absolutely. It's been a fantastic week for me. We're on a taper leading up to a regatta, and you have that kind of high-energy, bouncy kind of, you feel like Tigger out of um, Winnie the Pooh. You know? Yeah, it's called getting rested. Yeah. <laughs> it's called rest. <laughs> it's one of those funny things. Have you ever noticed how your weight varies very significantly when you're on a taper? Yes, well, it can. And, and depending on your carbohydrate intake, you know, carbohydrates store water. So you could sometimes look like, oh, you know, I'm a little heavier or the opposite because you're excited. You know, sometimes you, you drop a little. But the important thing is to feel like you go to the race and you're just chomping at the bit. That's what I try to get. I try to get my athletes feeling like that, like they can't wait to race. That's the perfect taper. It is. It's one of those so funny things, because when you're in the um, final workouts, which, of course, are super short because you're tapering, I find that we misjudge our ratings and our effort expended. Yeah. And, you know, we went shooting out doing this 45 second piece, at like 48 off the start in a quad. And we then settled, which is fine. And after I turned to the girl behind me, and I was like, were you okay in that? And she was like, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, you know, really? Nope. Was that the rate? <laughs> that sounds like a faster master's workout. <laughs> How interesting you should mention that, Marlene. <laughs> That's a perfect taper. That's a perfect taper. I like that one. But yeah, you know, you're so wound, you're so wound up. You're just like, boom, you know, you don't, you don't even really, you're, then you're like, whoa, how did I hit that rating? That, that felt right. easy. It's like, it just came out of thin air. That's right. We didn't have to work at it. It was just there for the having. That is the sign of a good plan. It didn't just happen. You got no, there by doing the right thing. So. That's right. It, it's, isn't that one of those funny things, though, that, you have a great experience and you you have a good peak. And afterwards, if you speak to other people, they attribute it to some really bizarre things like, oh, yeah, I ate pasta the night before. It's like, no. <laughs> we, you know, there was a reason we had our peak and it was nothing to do with pasta. Now, we've got some uh, live watchers who I'm very, very pleased to welcome. So hello to Rich, who's watching from Casper, Wyoming, as ever. Hey, Rich, very good to have you here. And, of course, the first comment, nearly always, it's like if there was a race for comments, I think, Cece, you would, you would win it every time. Um, because hello from Whidbey Island, I think you kind of have it on a copy paste. And I, I imagine you sitting there being ready just to spit it out really, really fast, uh, just ready in time for, um, for uh, you know, announcing to us that you're joining the podcast. Now, while 
we have a great time every week on the Faster Masters Rowing Radio podcast. We are supported by commercial organizations whose benefit is just we are we are so grateful for their support. Our rowing directory is growing. So it's on rowing.chat and then click at the top of the menu and find the word directory. And it will open up a page where there are 16 different categories where you can find rowing businesses and rowing suppliers who are ready to serve you under all sorts of things, anything from accessories to shoes, to electronics, to boats, to oars, all the kind of obvious ones and quite a few kind of non-obvious ones. So let's um, add to the list. We now have Rubini Jewelers in the list as well. And we also have the Sculler GPS Rowing Computers, who are an organization that supplied the electronics for the recent Oxford and Cambridge boat race, which is kind of interesting. We also have Rowing Solutions, who make electric coaching boats, which they ship around the world. Rows and All, the rowing data analysis website. G-Clip Row, custom quick-release shoes. Nelson Kellerman, who make rowing electronics. Pine Art Boatworks, moderately priced boats with the speed and feel of elite boats. Rowing Vinyl, self-adhesive boat names. Rantilla Rowing, who make forward-facing sculling boats, and Pontoon, who do custom crew uniform design. We're grateful to all of them for their continued support of the entire rowing chat network, but more specifically of Faster Masters. Now, to our live watchers, please tell us where you're watching from. We already have Whidbey and Casper, Wyoming. Sherbrooke, down the road from Marlene, we have Tony Tarlow watching. Great. And Chris Ringdahl from Fort Collins in Colorado, who is described as almost near Wyoming. <laughs> I kind of feel like from New Zealand, a lot of places are almost near. Right, almost near <laughs> New Zealand. <laughs> That's right. And another Colorado watcher from Lisa McMath. Great. Who is Howdy, hey. Howdy, hey. Is that what they say in Colorado? Howdy, hey. hey howdy, we have a lot hey. of West Western-oriented people here, definitely. And and even further west, Tanya Sutherland is in Ocean Grove in <laughs> just, just keep going. Keep going. Keep going west. You'll eventually become east. Now, if you're watching live, please do share this feed. It really helps us to grow the popularity of the podcast. So just hit that share button now below the uh, feed that you're watching. And we will be extremely grateful. Now we come on to the section of the podcast this past week where we talk about work that Marlene and I are doing uh, that's not necessarily commercial to advocate for Masters Rowing more broadly. So what do you have coming up? Well, actually, my week was had sort of a local focus. Um, one of our new Masters Rowers um, in her third year of rowing got a brand new boat. And um, we spent a day this, this week um, putting her brand new Filippi on the water and rowing it for the first time on big new open water. So um, that, was, that was really fun to be with somebody getting a brand new boat for the very first time, rowing a boat that fits like a glove the very first time and, you know, making the adjustments. 
And, um, you know, really glad that local people who are learning how, masters who are learning how to row are really starting to get invested in the sport. So that was, that was kind of one of my small projects for this week, which there was really is fun. Nothing, there's nothing like the excitement of someone with a brand new boat, is there? I know, I know. Has she named it? She, um, she's considering some names, but I'm in, I said, you know, you have to spend time on this. You have to name your boat. And, and, and actually we have three of our, four of our area masters who have also started in the last year or two bought boats for this season. So we have a lot of boat naming going on, but it, but it is pretty exciting because that's definitely another step in your commitment to lifetime rowing is when you, when you get your own boat and, you know, that's, that's, I think, you know, I was so nervous when I got my first boat. I just was like, oh my gosh, where's this going to sleep? How's it going to be? You know, how do I carry it? Is it tied okay? Is anybody going to bump it? You know, it was like, yeah, the first scratch is the worst. And I, I had a coach who would come up with a bunch of keys and he would say, hey, Rebecca, shall I put the first scratch in it? Because then you won't worry about the next one. I was like, <laughs> oh, I know. Well, that, that's a, that, that would be a great audience question like when did you get your first scratch I got my first scratch on the second day I had my boat second day just I was rowing with boat builder George Sharrow I don't know if you've ever met him um, he was very very well-known boat builder built small boats down in Florida he's since retired now and I went out for a row with him and rode over a really nice log and put a nice scratch the whole length of my boat so I always think of George Sharrow when I see that scratch my worst one was going on training camp to the south of France, where we were obviously visitors, and it was a lake that was um, like a, a water reservoir for the local town. So it was up high in the hills. And we were there in January, so it was cold, but the water level dropped every single day we were there, which wasn't a particular problem. You walked further across. They had a little track, you know, down mm -hmm. to the water's edge. But the edge of their dock pontoon had a metal bar. And I got these scratches under my rigger. So we all ended up putting loads of tape, like duct tape, under our riggers to try and protect them. But, of course, the scratch was there from day one. I know. Yeah, you're for the first scratch. That'll be maybe that's a that's a Facebook group question. Well, maybe it's a boat name. I'm also trying to I have a new partner in my double. So uh, the lady who I used to um, row with has sold her share to someone else, which is cool. And we talked about a boat name and the boat's never had a, a sticker on it. It's never had a formal name. It's had an informal name. And so we're laughing about whether we should do it in New Zealand Maori, the local language. Mm -hmm. And we looked at um, words like two girls in Maori. Obviously, she she actually is part Maori, so she speaks to Rio Maori. I don't. Uh, but handily, Google Translate has it as one of the wow. options. And <laughs> we are... Um, we are having, this is a little joke. It is not supposed to be disrespectful, uh, but it is a well-known kids joke. So in, in primary school here, all the kids learn to speak to Rio. They learn to sing the national anthem in English and in Mary. And one of the greeting phrases, which is often used, is kenato koto kenakoto kenakoto katoa. And it's, it's a greeting. It's a, a welcome. And she said when they were kids, of course, they were always laughing and mucking around. And they would say, 
tin of cocoa, tin of Milo. (laughs) (laughs) So we were wondering whether we should call it tin and then O apostrophe Milo, tin of Uh Milo. (laughs) That's good. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But boat naming is is important, and it looks like Cece might need to name her boat. Check oh, what Cece's message? She also got a new boat. Maybe this is new boat week. I know. So that's exciting. That's always exciting. Oh, fantastic! And uh, then we have some other little quick comments from uh, previous people. Um, who uh, Cece mentioned earlier that she thought it was pretty funny that, um, uh, oh, sorry, she has a name for it, Night Fury, which is awesome. Um, Talking about the comments, Cece says she needs a comment taper from our remarks earlier about tapering, to which Rich, quick as a flash, you guys are so quick. He says, me too. Afterwards, I'm like, well, dot, 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 maybe I need to taper my comments a little on Faster Masters, lol. I was laughing so much after last week's comment from Rebecca, which is, welcome to the dark side. She says, it carried me through the week. Silly, isn't it? Well, not silly at all. I think in-jokes are a good part of a community. It shows that we're all on the same wavelength. I know. We can start a list, like, um, instead of telling you the list, you say, Joke number 125, and everybody knows what it is. It's like Marlenism. So, so Cece, are you really calling it Night Fury 2.0? You might find that this new boat has a different personality, and I think Marlene's mm. advice is good. Live with it for a while before you make a commitment and, and you know, put a yeah. sticker on it. See how it talks, yeah. See how it talks, see how it feels. Now, we have a really important announcement, and I want you to get out your diaries, your calendars, your schedules. Marlene and I are planning a new webinar. The webinar is called the Racing Starts Challenge, and it's going to be three consecutive days. Our goal is to teach you part of how to do a racing start every single day for three days so that you have time to practice each bit and then come back to the next day's seminar ready to have questions answered and then to move on. We have got a lot of detail to share with you, including some very, very special guests. But for now, save the date. It is going to be Tuesday, the 18th of May, Wednesday, the 19th, and Thursday the 20th, and every webinar will be at 6 p.m. Eastern. So it'll start at the same time that this podcast normally starts. To get notified of how to sign up, make sure you're on the Faster Masters newsletter because that's where we're going to share all of the information. So save the date. More news will come out early next week about how to join and how to sign up and start thinking about your own racing starts. And if you know how to do them, if you don't know how to do them, this is the time to start. Or if you want to improve them. I mean, absolutely. one of the funny things about racing starts is that you can be an Olympian and you can be a beginner. And actually what we teach is identical. It's one of the very few parts of rowing. Like, you know, most of us cannot do an Olympian's training program. Most of us will not have the blade work skills and be working on the sort of quality refinements that an Olympian would be doing. But 
every single person who rows a rowing boat or an erg of any type, we will all be doing the same thing for a racing start. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It is. It's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. So our first big topic for today is improving your feet connection in the boat. Marlene, kick us off. What do we need to do here? Well, this, this is a topic I wanted to put in. Um, many people in North America are starting to get back on the water, starting to get in their boats. Um, so awareness of your boat, and I mean, some of you are lucky to be on the water all the time, but, but when, you, when you're training, when you're doing technical work, you know, it's really important to be aware of the points of contact with the boat. And your feet are an extremely important point of contact with the boat for your power application, um, how your foot stretchers are adjusted for comfort, for um, you know the biomechanical position to give you the strongest strongest drive. So your feet and how your feet feel and the sensitivity or the I would say perception perceptiveness of your feet is is really quite important. So I wanted to put out there um, the idea of taking really good care of your feet and and looking at the mobility of your feet and how do your feet feel and how do you connect to the boat through the bottom of your feet the sensations of connecting to the boat and it's really important to look at your mobility and flexibility um, in your in your feet and it's really important to help your feet stay extremely healthy so one of the things that I believe is very important is massaging your feet and making sure that the bottom of your feet, particularly in your arch and the fascia in the bottom of your feet, that, that you're really mobilizing that tissue, keeping that tissue healthy, stretching out your feet so that your feet feel good in the boat and are able to um, initiate that power application. So one little trick that I like to do is you take a little spiny massage ball like this, okay? You could use a tennis ball. There's lots of other different types of massage balls. I like this one because of the little spines on it. Um, what I do is I sit on my erg, so I'm on a moving seat. I put this on the floor, and I put my it under my foot, like so. You can't see my foot, but I put it under my foot, and I just rest the weight of my leg into the ball, you know, just kind of think of letting, letting your, letting the ball kind of sink into the soles of your feet and sitting on the erg, move up and down the seat, roll the ball around, try to get like on the pads of your toes, at the base of your toes, into the arch, um, go around the edges of your heels because, because your foot is very reflex sensitive. If any of you are familiar with reflexology, there, there's a point on your Feet, foot that connects to every single organ and part of your body. So you can actually really, I mean, have a really nice total body effect from paying attention to your feet. But this is a really nice way to sit, you know, sit on the erg, maybe when you're when you're done with your workout and put your ball there and, you know, do a five or seven minute massage of your feet. And it's just going to make your feet feel so much better. But keep that 
tissue um, really, really pliable is what's important. Then if you say you sit down on the floor and you put your knees up, so, so for example, your calves are, are um, loose, important from the ankle to move up to the calf. So you can do some um, what we call just general flushing, which is just, just kind of squeezing your calf muscle just to flush out some lactic acid, get some good blood flow. I like to take a good old rolling pin like this and just and just hold it and just roll up and down your calf. Like, like if you're sitting on the floor with your knees up, you can put you can put the rolling pin behind your behind your knee and just and just work up and down your calf. And and you're gonna find that your calf will probably be a little bit more sensitive than you might expect. But this is a really great way to tune up your lower legs and just keep keep them really healthy so that you have better sensitivity and connection with the footboard. That's really awesome advice. And I'm rather looking forward to going and trying some of those things. Yeah, it feels great. I know I get tight calves. And so I do a particular stretch when I'm brushing my teeth every morning. Mm -hmm. And I, I stand with my feet staggered one in front of the other. And then I just bend my knees and sink down as far as I can on the back leg. And then I, I switch sides. So lower jaw on one mm -hmm. side and then mm -hmm. my upper jaw on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. And and we call that habit stacking, right? You're going to brush your teeth anyway. So when you brush your teeth, you do that. So you stack one habit, good habit onto the next. And that's a really good sort of lifestyle advice. I think, you know, rowing through our aging process requires us to have some slightly different life skills than you might think. You might think Faster Masters is all about training plans and going on the water and athletic endeavor, but actually it's much more about your lifestyle, isn't it? Yes. Well, we have a module called Rowing Lifestyle, which which we take as seriously as anything else because, you know, I think for most of us, rowing is a, is, is a large part of our lifestyle and, and, you know, a large part of what defines our friends and our activities. Maybe not everything, but it certainly is a big part of it. And uh, if you're healthy and you can do more things, you'll have more energy. It's win-win. It's a win-win. I'm going to add a little point about the improving the foot connection. Once you have um, better sensitivity and feeling in the soles of your feet, when you're even while you're just standing or sitting now listening to what we're talking about, try and feel the texture of your socks, of your shoes, just through the soles of your feet. And then try spreading your toes out just just a little bit if you can. So extend them. And when you spread them, you can actually grip very, very lightly just with the tips of your toes. And that's a very good um feeling to have when you're on the recovery and you're coming up to full compression so that you can sort of like visualize your toes just stretching and spreading and just having a an engagement with the foot stretcher as you come into the start of the power phase because then that will help you to feel that you're actually putting pressure so you should feel that if this is the sole of your foot and it's pushing down through your sock through the sole of the shoe into the foot stretcher, you should feel that pressure increase as you change direction at the front end. And that means then that you're successfully putting work into the boat. Because remember, although your hands are holding the oars, you won't be accelerating the boat until you're also putting pressure on your feet. 
if you don't feel pressure on your feet, that's called shooting the slide or uh, just not gripping the water successfully. And so having that actual feeling of pressure through the soles of your feet is mirrored in the palm of your hand where you're actually gripping the, the handle. You should actually feel the handle push just that little bit more into the palm of your hand at the same time. So that's your test that you can put into practice after you've done your foot massage. Yes, well, I think, and that's that's a really, really good reference point is to connect that pressure from the feet to the handle. And um, the I love the image of gripping the toes because think of it, it's a little bit tree froggy, okay? This is a little bit tree froggy and and also if you feel like you have um pain in your arches or the arches of your foot are not comfortable some of the exercises you can do to help work on that that gripping with your toe type of feeling is put a towel down on the floor put your foot on the towel and crunch up the towel with your toes that's one of the things like if you have any type of plantar fasciitis that's one of the exercises um grip crunch up the towel with your toes. That's one exercise. And another stretch is like if you, if you're on all fours and then you, and your, your um, toes are on the floor, but you're, you're kind of stretching your toes like that and just gently rock your hips back. So you're flexing your toes. And that actually also is kind of a fascial stretch for the, for the um, insole of your foot too. So those are things that if you're not quite feeling what Rebecca's talking about, you might need to work that, work that fascia a little bit more in, in the arch because that can get quite, quite tight on people. What is plantar fasciitis? Plantar fasciitis is when the when um, runners get it a lot, when the arch of their the arch of their feet gets very very painful and inflamed, and in the bottom of your feet you have multiple layers of muscles, and all of those muscles have a little wrapping around them called fascia. And what happens is the muscles don't glide, yeah. so so the fascia tears and then it inflames. And when it inflames, it's it's it becomes extremely painful. So you have to kind of get those layers of um, layers of muscles in the bottom of your feet gliding again, so that they're not they're not um, adhered together. So that's why the the massage with the ball is really good. And the, that like almost like here, if I did it with my hand, you want to sort of do something like that with your feet. Um, so that that helps a lot because this is a really important connection to the boat. Isn't it interesting how many different parts of the rowing stroke we find to focus on? There's lots of things. Part. Right. Right. And we could talk. I mean, there are coaches who can talk about what just the big toe does, you know, so so. But we'll save that for another day. We will save that. Now, a quick flashback to my photo this week so take a look at that let me move that out of the way what an image so that is louise gardner from the gorge narrows rowing club with the most wonderful light backlit picture of her in her single with a tiny little backsplash off her bowside oar isn't that stunning so that's in victoria british columbia there you are. And she's she looks like she's rowing with short sleeves. So I kind of wonder whether, in fact, it was taken last year. But, hey, who, who's complaining? It is a stunning photograph. Well, it could be warm enough there now for them to to be out in just a shirt on the West Coast. 
There we go. Now, we have started uh, asking for donations for the podcast from people who are enjoying watching it. And if you would like to take part, uh, the minimum donation is $1 a month. And so go to fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast. And we have four tiers of giving. And one of the tiers is to get a shout out on the podcast. And Cece, step forward. You are the one. So thank you to Cece Aguda for very generously supporting the podcast. And we are very yeah. grateful to you. Um, we know what a wonderful, loyal listener you are. And so thank you very much. Now, she's also asked a question. So I think it's incumbent on us now to answer the question. So yes. slightly long question. Do you want to read this out, Marlene? Sure. Curious. My old boat had foot stretchers at around 45 degrees-ish. My new one, they are flatter. I feel like I can stand on them at the catch and push harder. But at the finish of the stroke, my toes are almost pointed and very little push on the stretchers, which then means the core back arms take over for the finish. Wondering if this is okay or I should play with the angle and bring it back more to 45 degrees. My advice would be move it back towards 45 degrees. If, if you've got the flexibility and that was a... An, if that you know that that was a comfortable angle and you had you had a strong connection at both transition points of the stroke, um, it may just be set a little bit more shallow because that's just where they set it when they they send the boats out. So mm -hmm. um, if you if you're comfortable at 45 um, and it's a, it's obviously a performance boat, uh, there's no reason not to move it back there. Very good point. There is a rule of thumb that between 43 and 45 degrees is where we traditionally set our foot stretcher and you measure down from the horizontal. Sorry. Yeah. Down from the horizontal, not up. Mm -hmm. um, and again, your personal ankle flexibility is a key part of deciding where and how to first set the angle and then secondly how high up the foot stretcher you set your shoes mm -hmm. and that is definitely a case of trial and error one thing I would say Cece is don't discount your new foot stretcher position but go back to your old boat and measure it first so just check what you were used to and give it two or three outings before you decide to make a change, because any change takes a while to get used to, unless it's really, really something that you've had badly wrong, which it doesn't sound like you have in this situation, you should give it a while before deciding to change. So I would so give it a week with your new setup, check the old one, and then go back to the old setup and give it another week. It's not going to massively affect your workouts, but I think that that will give you time to make a, a more reasoned comparison and decide what works best for you. Now, Marlene, have we covered off soft tissue work and mobility? Yes, because we were talking about the fascia in our feet. I clearly got that wrong. <laughs> but the, but the yeah. other thing, the other thing we can add there as a final note is the best thing is to go get a massage and have somebody do it for you. So you can do the really nice maintenance yourself on a very regular basis. But if you're able to treat yourself, 
um, every two weeks or once a month to a really nice sports massage. That That is excellent for your recovery. So this week I have been and gotten all of my kitchen knives sharpened. And I'm not an expert in this, uh, but the very nice ladies in the shop said to me, and I took a lesson in how to use a sharpening steel. And while I was in the shop, a chef walked in. I knew that because they had chef's clothes on. And I said to her afterwards, so, um, you know, how do chefs do this? I mean, she said, well, every time they use the knife, they sharpen it. Like every time. I thought, okay. And then she said, but there comes a time when you cannot keep it sharp and you come back here and we'll, you know, sharpen the blade and bring it back up for you. And then they'll go away. And she said, depending on frequency, some come here every three months, some come every six months. And I think that the parallel with sports massage and looking after your body for rowing is mm -hmm. very, very astute. Absolutely. Well, and if thing, things stay mobile and flexible, you're, you're much, much, you know, you, you keep injuries at bay because sometimes just giving a little area extra attention is going to really, you know, reduce the risk of injury, or you catch that you catch that area that needs a little bit of attention before it really, really stops you. So you know it's all about maintenance, and, and maintenance is when you're working hard. It's important. It certainly is. Now we're going to talk about giving yourself a focus. So getting back on the water and getting a bit of coaching and getting a little bit of thinking time in order to reflect on how your rowing strokes going and what you might want to work on and we suggest framing this around running a weekend camp at your club so just local everybody in the same place if you're an organizer or on the board or committee for your master's group what are the things you should be thinking about for running a weekend camp Hit it, Marlene. Okay. Well, one of the, one of the formats that that I like to use is if you think about just taking a, a special block of time for people to put a little bit of extra focus on their rowing, to get video review, to get more feedback, to spend some time with the people that you see on a regular basis, but you don't, you know, you're dashing off to work and other places. Um, one of the formats that I like to use is on a Friday evening, let's say this is gonna be a, a Friday evening, uh, Saturday morning, Sunday morning event, or it could on Saturday there could be, um, I like to put two rows before um, winding up for the day. So, so a morning row where someone videos, a session to have a snack and watch the video review, hopefully with a coach led or an experienced member could help each other, people give each other feedback. And then right after you see the video, you go back out on the water again when that image is still fresh. And then you wind up, you know, maybe around lunchtime or a little bit after lunchtime, everybody goes and has lunch together. I think it's really nice to kick it off on a Friday evening with, with like a potluck type of event. And if you have a guest coach coming in or your coach or the person who is your leader, that's a nice time to maybe sit on an erg out on the patio and have, having the potluck dinner and go over some of the technical points or a few things that as a group that you would like to focus on 
during the weekend. So, you know, it's a limited amount of time, but it might be good to say, okay, well, we feel we're doing as a squad, we're doing pretty well with this, but we really need to work on this element. And so, so you might say, okay, this weekend, our focus is drills and exercises that focus on body over or correct sequencing or whatever, whatever it is that you choose. And then Sunday morning, um, if people have the time to do the same format, you know, row, video, row, if not row and video, and then, you know, wind up a little earlier with another lunch or something. That's a really great format. And it's something that you can organize with one week's notice because most people are going to be at the club at the weekend anyway. Um, I was trying to fix up one of these locally and we had one major consideration, which is in adding in the Friday night, we had to think about Friday night traffic and where people live and getting to the club because as mm -hmm. with most people, there's very little traffic when you're going for an early morning outing. And even, you know, seven o'clock or eight o'clock on a, a Saturday or Sunday morning, there's not very much traffic on the road, but it does change significantly on a Friday night. So do bear that in mind and just ensure that if someone misses the Friday night, it's not the end of the world, that maybe they can have a little recap first thing on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So if they miss the Friday night, the coach or the leader or whoever's the organizer can just give a 10 minute recap to people who couldn't make it. Perfect. But I think it's really nice to kind of carve out that time to spend the time to do the video review, because on a daily basis, that's usually what people are lacking is getting that feedback of really, you know, unless somebody's great with the with the iPhone to to get some video and you get out of the boat and you look at it on the dock on a regular basis. A lot of people don't really get to see themselves in the boat all that often. So this is one of those nice chances if somebody's in a launch or or if you don't have a launch, you know, you just have somebody in a boat on the water and you have people circulating so that you can get people rowing by. And, you know, that that feedback is, I think, what's kind of special when you have a weekend camp kind of situation. I would recommend that you bring a big screen television down to the club. Mm -hmm. Most now have um, Bluetooth so that you can actually very quickly get phone off an iPad or an iPhone or you know, a mobile phone onto the big screen. Because actually seeing something on a big screen is much, much more beneficial than a small one. Absolutely. And yeah, the quality of video is astonishing nowadays. Um, you, you can see hideous, hideous detail that perhaps you'd rather overlook. Well, I know. I mean, you have to be prepared. But remember, if you've set a goal for the weekend and your goal is to work on your releases, you know, don't mm. get into all the don't sink in the swamp, you know, just focus on focus on the drills, focus on the before and after focus on the releases. Um, there is an app. There are different video apps. There is one app called Coach's Eye, which you can plug your iPhone in you know, with a connector, you, you can connect it into the phone and you actually have a, a little wheel that you can move it frame by frame and draw on the screen and see that. And when you see that on big screen, that's a really nice way to, um, to be able to slow down just so you isolate what you're focusing on. Don't worry about everything else. Just one thing. Yeah, I'm a great believer in one thing. And particularly if you can limit the drills that you're doing, 
to maybe two, particularly if there are two that build one on the other very, very closely. So as Marlene pointed out, let's take the finish or the release as you know, one example of, of a drill. What's a really good drill that you can do that could be, for example, power in the very last part of the power phase so that you are drawing through to the correct finish point and I'll just tilt my camera so making sure that your handles are here on your lower ribs and you're not finishing in front of your body and then secondly you might focus on the extraction so think of a drill that will help you to take the blades out of the water so that you've got good power into the finish and then good blade work to extract the blades symmetrically with the boat balanced. And the things that you can look at when you are then looking at the video mm -hmm. is look at the hands of the scholars. So you have a crew and you can do the drills all together or half of the crew at a time. But when you're doing it all together, have a look at your angle of your back and whether or not you're getting your arms straight after the release exactly in time with everyone else everyone's arms got straight to that same frame on the video and the joy of the video is of course self-evidently it's a series of still images that build up into a moving image so pick a still image pick one person stroke and go look this is the moment where stroke starts to extract their blade from the water okay where's everyone else relative to stroke at that precise moment and then freeze it, frame it forwards to the point where strokes oars are clear of the water surface. And they say, right, where is everyone else relative to them? So you can self-analyze quite easily so as long as somebody can shoot the film. And the mm -hmm. person shooting the film doesn't have to be a coach. They just need to be competent with a camera. Right, know how to press the button. Know <laughs> how to press the button, but more importantly, to film when you're 90 degrees square off to the crew. Mm -hmm. There are situations where a 45 degree angle or a direct bow or stern angle is useful. This is not one of them. You want to, if possible, get three consecutive strokes with the crew as near as possible to square off to the camera. Yes, and, and, and as Rebecca said, I totally agree. Maybe you just choose two drills to focus on in the weekend and you do them two or three sessions on the water because the idea is to improve those drills and to do them better and better. And so it's better to be really zoned in on one or two elements and really work on improving that. And, and as that may help you as a squad have a focus for the month or a focus mm -hmm. for the season, depending on, you know, what, what you need to do to get better. So depending on your goals. Yeah. And, you know, you can build that into your regular weekend training. You say, we have a training plan. These are the workouts we're planning, but actually let's have a technical focus as well. And then you can build the drills into your warm up. You can build them into in between working pieces. Mm -hmm. so, you know, when you turn around, there are there are many different ways of, of building that in. And, and it helps then that everybody's done the same drill at the same time. So that when you go to the coffee shop afterwards for your very important crew time together, if you want to talk about rowing, that's something you can all talk about. Exactly. Well, I think that's it for Faster Masters Rowing Radio this week. Um, we've got one final comment reflecting back on last week's discussion about water birds. 
Rich is reporting that he had a couple of Western grebes on the water this morning. He said there was no wind and it was gorgeous. He said the campus may be awakened by my exhalation. I wonder, is that like you breathing out heavily or were you exclamations as like, well? Oh. <laughs> Mahi Drysdale is my hero. Well, Mahi Drysdale is the hero for many of us. And I will be completely honest, if anyone's listening and knows him, I haven't tried to invite him on my podcast and he hasn't replied yet. So, you know, if you just wanted to find out more about the main man and um, his incredible career in rowing, I would love to interview Mahi. So this has been Faster Masters Rowing Radio for Thursday, the 6th of May, 2021. Thank you all for being with us on the journey. Please remember to subscribe. If you go to our website, uh, fastermastersrowing.com, there's a link to our newsletter and you will then get a summary of this show every week, plus additional tips and insights and useful articles and things that we've read. So it's not just watching and listening you get more than if you just watch or listen and remember to tell your friends about faster masters rowing radio as well because we'd love to have more people here on the group with us till next time bye-bye thank you everyone <laughs>